0: Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you're listening in, that means you're listening on Tiger Paw Radio. And thank you very much for listening in. I'm super excited today. Uh, One of the topics that's near and dear to my heart uh, is uh, the MSP world. And uh, the the guest that I have on today, uh, Juan Fernandez, I'm gonna let him introduce himself, but he's someone that I go uh, back a long way with. We've actually done a few interviews together in different roles in different past lives and super excited to hear about what you're doing now. Uh, so if you've been curious about how the MSP world is changing and what uh, things are going to be looking like in the next few years, this is the interview for you. So without further ado, Juan, maybe you can introduce yourself or our audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and welcome everybody to the show. It's a great uh, honor to be here with Wes, uh, joining you again, my friend. We have lived many lives in the MSP space, have we not? I mean, I went uh, from a, a consultant, uh, actually owning my own MSP to now, well, I should say as an msp going now to consulting right and so i uh was well known in the copier space for building an msp took it from zero to about 20 million in about six years uh successfully uh and then came out to start helping other msps figure out what are they missing what is the strategy process procedures and other things that uh, they need to be focusing on and I, i i really enjoy this space i love empowering others to be successful i i chose the the the, the title a chief encouragement officer because i love to see people be successful and you know one of the other passion projects is uh just co- uh, co-authored a book uh, the msp owner's handbook which is also giving advice back to the channel and also to uh msps that are, are trying to figure out what should i be doing so uh really happy to be here and happy to share uh anything that i can with the community today
0: well, I appreciate that. And, you know, th- this interview was actually spawned in a conversation that we had the last time we saw each other at the CompTIA event. And you work with a ton of MSPs yeah. um, and certainly a lot is changing right now, right? So the, the one thing that really intrigued me, and maybe we can have a, a little chat about this right now, is w- with everything moving into the cloud, I mean, you know, the cloud was a dirty word five years ago, right? Uh, <laughs> but now it's it's everywhere. Everything is migrating to the cloud. Um, So maybe you can, you know, share with us, how is that, you know, changing what uh, MSPs maybe are going to need to do to grow in the next five years?
1: You know, I've been talking about this for quite some time. I've seen this as a shift, you know, whether I was, uh, you know, creating my own MSP or helping other MSPs, you know, just really starting to look at what I call business operations as a service. You know, I, I started early on, you know, back when you were a flat rate, we were both speaking the same language, Wes we're talking is everything as a service and how to synergize that, you know, that monthly reoccurring revenue number with, you know, tangible products and services. And now cloud has simplified that it's given us that strategy and we figured out this X as a service. And now we're talking customer experience as a service and business operations as a service, I think is the next place we go. And it's, you know, cloud solutions is giving us this ability to create these new marketplaces of opportunity where, you know, MSPs can now go and pick up these, you know already pre-canned sales and marketing strategies along with the technology that can empower their customers to really empower their remote workforce right and I talked about that in 2017 I said one of the big things is going to be about increasing ROI increasing productivity and empowering a remote workforce because that is the generation now fast forward to today, I didn't know that that was going to be a, there was gonna be a pandemic in the middle of it, which <laughs> was going to explode the whole MSP ecosystem and like force us all into these remote work uh, situations, right. So to your point, I think that it really, you know, if anything that happened, that was good, if there was any kind of a silver lining, which I cannot say that there really was there, but it caused us to evolve really quickly. It yeah. caused us to think about what our customers needs really are. And that was, you know, this remote work capability. And so, we're seeing a new era of managed service provider that's coming into this space that doesn't have a lot of the old adages of like, you know, physical hardware, right? And we, you know, during the the PC shortage during the beginning of the pandemic, and even still product wasn't available, right? So we had to like figure out how do we go to market with what we got? And so it really created pressure points that created diamonds in the rough. And I think that's what you're starting to see now is this new evolution of managed services that doesn't look anything the same as it did two years ago. And so it's changing the way we become more consultative. It's becoming more customer focused. It's becoming more outcome-based and and delivery driven around customer success than it was ever before. Before it was like, okay, I need to sell you this to keep you in business. Now it's like, how do I change your business? So cloud is really, uh, is like, is empowered us to become something we never thought we could. Right. And I, you said it was a bad word before it was like, Oh, well, <laughs> I don't, I, I love taking care of servers. Like I make all my money on that. Why would I do that? And now it's like, I can't get away from that server fast enough to get them to the cloud. It's like, wait, there's so much less friction here. And I can, like the customer's so much more happy and flexible and it empowers them to, you know, scale their businesses. And now these new, this new lenses, it's like we got, uh, you know, new clarity with these lenses we got put on now of this future that is in front of us. So I'm excited about it, and I, I see it as a as a force multiplier, and, and all these new MSPs that are standing up these days.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you you mentioned a couple of things there that I that I'm really passionate about right now, and one is the CX, so the customer experience, right? Then when we start looking at how we add value. And and I think it's always been about that. It's just sometimes we've forgotten about it, right? When we were talking about speeds and feeds or how beautiful our devices were, sometimes we got a little carried away. But I think it's always been about the, the customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. And the second thing you mentioned there is now that we've been, you know, kind of forced uh, into this accelerated uh, growth and change patterns, you know, because of the pandemic, that we're starting to realize just how much tech debt we have, right? And it's not... A lot of people think of tech debt and they think of it as being their own systems, right? Like, you know, here's how we do things and in order to be better for our customers, we got to, you know, start shedding or figuring out how we get rid of some of this tech debt. But it's also in the offerings, right? That there's a lot of tech debt in the offerings. So <laughs> it's fascinating. And and I like that, you know, the fact that you talk about this enablement idea, right? That, you know, it's actually opened up so many more, you know, new opportunities. Um, one, one of the things that, I talk with people a lot uh, because I do work through different channels, much like you do, right, mm-hmm. is talking about definitions. And I'm actually going to be writing a blog about this because, you know, we love to put ourselves in buckets, right? So we've had, you know, the MSP, uh, we've had managed IT providers. Now, of course, with the focus on security, we have MSSPs, right? And then we have value-added resellers. and 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 I wonder sometimes, what's the difference anymore, right? Are these lines starting to blur for what they actually you know are, are we starting to lose uh you know some of the differences in these definitions what's going on there
1: you'd be surprised right so like i sit also as the chair uh co-chair for the channel development advisory for comptia and you know there's so many amazing thought leaders in that group that it's often interesting to drop that oil in that water and see what happens right because you know one of the challenges I see that vendors have these days is not understanding what their ideal client profile is. And that's because there's so many variations of MSP, right? I started, you know, back when a couple of years ago, I started kind of, ch- you know, just charting this out, thinking around this nuance of why does everyone struggle with this so much? And it's like, you know, we talk about MSP 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0. And I realized that's not really a thing. It's actually just Something we said just to kind of define the era that we're in, but it really isn't relative in regards to like the full rainbow effect of MSPs that are there. I've started looking at it a different way where there's MSPs that are in practice or MSPs that have a practice or MSPs that are in best practice, right? And so if you can look at it from those three lenses, I've also quantified it as such that there are actually seven different MSP types. And it's actually growing because if we talk about the MRR type companies that are not truly MSPs, that are just resellers that call themselves MSPs, we almost have 10 flavors of MSP, all in the same word, right? And so I've been wondering why this hasn't been fully expanded upon to really identify like ICP because, you know, channel vendors often struggle to find market share with these types of companies because they're aiming at this market, but it's only penetrating 1% because it's really not resonating with the ones that are not truly an MSP, or maybe they have a, a connotation of MSSP. So, And it also, flip side of the coin is MSPs struggle with vendors because they don't understand How to go to market with them right they i like your product i want to do business with you but like well i'm focused on msp mssp vendor or bar or ISV, not msp smb right so it's just interesting to watch how confused we still are and how misaligned as close as we are as a community and dependent on each other we're so far apart and it's just really interesting to watch and, and i think that to your point i'm really excited to read your blog and 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 dive into what your thoughts are around that because I I believe that there's so many different versions of MSP now that it's it's just it's kind of weird to to realize that there's that much difference.
0: <laughs> and and there is right, and that's the problem for customers is trying to figure out what that actually means. Yeah, you know, I've actually had this you know conversation in the managed print world as well uh, because when you use the term managed print provider, right, and it's like, well, hold on, what is what? How exactly are you managing it? Like, are you just yeah. doing page and including service or are you doing user management where you're applying rules and security levels and there's all these different, you know, uh, complexities with the language that we use, right? And maybe that is the problem of English as a language. I know that uh, when you look at uh, Latin, uh, there's six different words for love. There's probably more than that, right? You know, agape, amore, like there's all these different, you know, subtleties and we don't have that in our language. So maybe that's part of the problem. Um, and, and do you think that it is blurring? Do you think that MSPs have to become more uh, for their customers or are they, or is hyper specialization more what's happening? I really think that it's, uh,
1: you know, here's the thing, right. And I, I talk about this often. It's like, you have to just pick. And I, I tell a lot of MSPs this, they're like, "Wand, they're like, just give me a magic wand. And I'm like, the magic wand is your process should equal success. And then you should sell your process as the product. Right. So like, Again, if that's indicating that they need to be hyper specialized i say this all the time you know don't be a jack of all trades but be a master of some you know i think that you have to be good at something you have to be delivering some sort of unique value some sort of customer success and then you should ex there should be an experience at the end of that can you go through your process and find success in your process with that customer and can you do it repeatedly right so i think that to your point I think there will become some sort of specialty in regards to what you deliver and it could be anything it could be security you could pick managed services you could pick hardware you could pick anything it doesn't really matter but what it is you do should be your product so i think it's specialized around the business process more than it is the technology or the the service delivery um components of what it is they're trying to deliver so i think uh, again back to your cx i follow every time i think about it it's like you know All I think about is wanting a customer to be successful more than I want them to do anything else, right? So what does that mean to them? And then my product should do that for them.
0: I love it. And uh, it actually echoes uh, some comments that I heard from uh, Tammy Beach in the uh, HP uh, interview that I did. Mm -hmm. She said, even as as a, a printer company, that they've started looking away from the device. And kind of raise their eyes up a little bit to look at the person and the process. Because you can fill as long as you know what, again, what success looks like, like you say, you can fill that in with your product offerings. And maybe it exposes some gaps. Maybe it exposes some areas that we've got to that we've got to grow, right? I love it. Um this thing that remote work, you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I want to dive into this a little more, right? And you know, th- there are some companies in the world that are. <laughs> and very few of them that are forcing all of their employees back to, you know, the office or the uh, auto manufacturing facility, as it were, I won't name names, but uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: we won't say anything there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause he's probably listening out me right now, but, uh, but most organizations I think have come to terms with the fact that this idea of either remote work or mobile work, or, you know, some hybrid version of it is, yeah. is, is here to stay. Right. And I think we can agree, at least, that it's not going anywhere, whatever it ends up looking like the next two years is anyone's guess, but it's not going away. So are there opportunities and and challenges that MSPs have, you know, with this whole new remote work paradigm that didn't exist before?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, everyone, it just depends on what school of thoughts you're in, right? Again, back if you're in that in practice phase of, you know, being an MSP, it's gonna hurt a little bit more, but it's also giving you more opportunity to springboard those that maybe already have a practice and jump across that to best practice, right? So one of the challenges I think that MSPs have always struggled with is, you know, the the cost conversation on top of security, right? We, we've enabled people to steer away from it because, well, it'll never happen to me as they may say. During the pandemic, we increased our threat landscape a thousand fold, right? Because now all of a sudden the command and control went away. And now all of a sudden we have all these bring your own devices and these homes that are now connecting to corporate infrastructures with God knows what on it, right? So it's like, you know, all of uh, all the kids that are messing around on the computers that are completely malware ridden, you know, are now tapping into corporate infrastructure because there was no hardware. So it was a, a pretty significant opportunity for us to say, look, we need to think past this to harden our security you know life's if you will and now be thinking more meaningfully of like look here's what this means to you as a business and they were listening right so the seat at the table became a little bit more pulled in like we weren't just a random family member that just dropped in for thanksgiving we're now an actual family member that's here at the table that brought rolls and 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 some food and it's good and now i want to have you here because i need you here right so For those that took that seat, found that it was probably a lot easier to have the best practice conversation and jump past the cost conversation. It's like, look, this is what you need to run your business. And I don't think that's going to change. So here's that silver lining I talked about was that everyone's ears opened during the pandemic on what they needed to do. It's like, okay, I'm in uncharted territory here. How do I keep this boat afloat? And it's like, you need security. And i think that now they were listening and it's it's fine now we can implement best practice and security process and protocols that's going to take you from where you were way faster and it's going to give you that autonomy to allow people to work remotely so for me i think that the remote work is going to stick around for those businesses that are pushing back i totally get it they have a lot of tech debt they got a lot of infrastructure they need to run back to it's too expensive to empower them to be remote workers and again manufacturing and certain other trades can't really effectively work remotely i would say because there is you know things that have to happen in a physical location to generate product but i will say the next i've been talking about this generational divide for quite some time and the upcoming generation doesn't want to work in an office right so i mean regardless of whether or not us old hats want to go drive to an office and put in an eight to five like it just isn't going to be that for them right and they want work-life balance and they want to be able to be flexible you know, I'm going to Yellowstone next week. And I can tell you, I'll be working via my satellite internet from unsaid company, but I'll be working, right? And I, I think that we're all starting to recognize that we can do this if we just do it right.
0: Yeah. So like one, I've been working remotely now for over 20 years, right? And the viewers won't see this, but we just actually had one of those life remote moments uh, where my daughter's lunch, was showed up and the dogs were going crazy. And it does have certain sacrifices, but the Certainly the one thing that I can say from experience that that it, it almost hurts to hear from some people is they say, well, yeah. you can't do work, uh, remote work because you're not as productive, right? And and I certainly say that, like, to your point, there are certain uh, areas where you can't work. But for us knowledge workers, yeah. you know, with the tools and stuff that are available to us, that that leap ahead that we've all done with technology to be able to do, like, an interview like we're doing right now, 100%. right? You know, it's, uh, it's certainly changed. So... You know, yeah. appreciate that, and and I also think um, I'm not sure if you've heard this term, but it's called meeting equity, and it's this concept that because we're all doing meetings in different ways now in different places, that everyone should have the the same experience, right, with uh, meetings. So if you're at the office, which has a really expensive kind of you know setup in the boardroom, you know, versus those that are working at home, that that meeting experience should be the same. And I gotta think that there's some kind of opportunity for MSPs and others to be able to help deliver uh on that in the future
1: yeah no i mean it's a you know it's that remote office in a box right so you know all the products and services all managed you're you know a full uh employee rollout like you see it featured all over social media like when companies are sending on these you know amazing boxes of you know i just got hired and look at all this stuff i got a camera and a laptop and i got mics and all this stuff and lighting and it's really fun and to set up because it's like I don't want to leave this because this is now it gives me freedom right Right. I have it all set up here you can't see it all but for me I'm the same way I've always been like that I carry it in my bag so that I carry my camera of preference and my mic of choice with me right so (laughs) I'll be doing a webinar on Wednesday night at seven o'clock p.m. at a out of a hotel and no one will know the difference right so It's just one of those things where I, I love where you're going with it. And you're right. There is a lot of opportunity for managed services to empower the remote worker. There's so many uh, softwares and security products and, you know, management and monitoring tools that can be added on and professional services, which is the icing on the cake for most of us to really, you know, deliver that. And I, I like where you're going with it because there is a lot of opportunity there.
0: Yeah. It, one of the analogies that really ins- inspired me the first time I heard it and, and continues to is that, you know, uh, pine cones, right? That the only way that they can actually deliver their seeds is if they experience a forest fire, right? That that some of these ways that we grow and some of these opportunities only come about because of, you know, some pretty hard circumstances, right?
1: Well, and I will, I love where you're going with that because for, for me, Wes, I didn't know that pine cones open and shrunk all the time. Like I didn't know that until I moved to Colorado and I was like, man, these pine cones are like all the time. then we'd throw them in the truck and then they'd open up and then I'd get back home and they were closed. And I was like, (laughs) what's going on, going on here. And so it was really interesting. When we brought them to Texas, like these little tiny pine cones were like massive pine cones out of nowhere. And, uh, if anyone's ever done that it's a good experiment with your kids so just know that we had <laughs> a blast with the heating and cooling of the pine cones
0: <laughs> right isn't it fascinating yeah it
1: and in a, <laughs> it's interesting to, to tie back to a personal analogy because sometimes you need heat to kind of you know create some new evolution of yourself and that i think that's what the pandemic did and so i just hope no one you know cools off on that keep the gas down
0: exactly let's keep moving into the future right Hey, and, and one of the things that we're seeing now, I'm not really sure if it's due to the pandemic, maybe partially, um, but there's an acquisition frenzy going on, right? I mean, yeah. I, I first saw it in the Office Equipment channel where we started seeing like a lot of the larger mega dealers starting to gobble them up. And you've seen how Marco's grown and Gordon mm-hmm. Flesh and uh, and others, right? Um, but it's happening in the MSP space as well, right? It seems to be rampant. So maybe you can share with us like what what you see for what kinds of companies are A, selling, and what kind of companies are buying? Like what's
1: going yeah. on? It's really interesting, right? And we'll be covering some of this at Channel Futures. For those of you guys who are joining the, uh, the MSP Summit that's coming up September 13th through 15th, I encourage you, they will be doing an M&A session. to be a couple of them. And it's really a hot topic at every event and in the space. And I think that what we're seeing, Wes, is, I mean, if you remember a few years back, we said that there was going to be a 35% decrease in technical staff available because of the ageism, right? There's going to be age people aging out. Well, there's a lot of us me myself included that aren't getting any younger, right? So, as we own businesses and have built profitable businesses, you know, there's this new go-to-market strategy that maybe some aren't ready for, right? They're like, "Oh, well, you know, that's a product or service that I'm not apt to sell and maybe I'm not going to be competitive in that space or maybe I'm just at a point in my life where I'm ready to go or you know, I, I I really like this remote thing, but I don't want to take a phone call anymore. I'm kind of done with it. So, I mean, that's it's just the amount of entrepreneurs that we had in tech that built IT companies or businesses are are looking to exit, and and from that, that's created a lot of opportunity. And of course, with everything happening, a lot of businesses. You know, may not have performed well, which created a lot of opportunity for additional add-ons for the space. So, like those businesses that have invested a lot in this new go forward momentum, or they're, you know, they're looking for new businesses. It was kind of a, you know, it was a seller's market, but it was also a buyer's market because even though the sellers were selling, they were getting more than they were going to get before, but the buyers were buying at a at a value because it was better than the market was performing. So it was like, I can buy that for less than and, and make more money on that than I could it by putting my money in traditional investments. So that's why all these funds were created and it's still the case, right? It's still not slowing down. Now it's just amplified even more because now it's made the MSP more aware that there's money out there that can be had. And it's like, I hear it all the time with a lot of MSPs are like, one, I just need to get my ARR up and I need to clean up my books and I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm done. Like I've had a lifestyle business for the last 18 years and I need six months to get this thing cleaned up and i'm going to sell my business on the open market and i'm like good for you you know you've built a great business you should have a legacy and enjoy that you know all the money and efforts you put into it so and on the flip side of the coin there's a lot of companies that are like hey i'm looking for companies that are in xyz space i'm looking for this level of ebitda because they know that when they add them in that they're gonna you know Click them up another 10 or 12%. And they know for a fact with everything they already have on their back end that this net plus acquisition is going to be huge for them. So it's really interesting to watch how both need each other and are both feeding each other. It's it's kind of wild.
0: Yeah. And and it it it's fascinating to me when like when you think about it, like how the market has come to kind of, kind of a, a perfect storm, if you will, for those that are aging out of the marketplace. And yet those customers are still so valuable, right? That you know, for somebody looking to grow, getting that customer base is absolutely it's a good buy.
1: <laughs> you know, I have a lot of them. It's interesting because I've even watching certain uh companies buy out, like even copier dealers, they're they're more interested, like, hey, I'll buy your copier dealer and then I'm gonna I'm gonna split off the managed services and I'm gonna sell that off. Right. It'll pay for the copier dealer. And it's like, wow, <laughs> what a trick. And it's like, I would have never thought about that move, but I saw it done recently and I was like.
0: Hey, wow. <laughs>
1: the crazy part about where it's at when you can take it's so interesting how you can take and and put these things together and 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 grow your business. So it's it's an interesting time.
0: It certainly is. And it's probably a good segue into the last question that I have for you today, right? And for those MSPs that are looking to stay in the marketplace that are looking to that are looking to grow, uh it's time for the impossible question. If you had one piece of advice for those folks, what would that be?
1: I think this is the fun my favorite question of all and I, I will say this from the purest deepest part of my heart it's build a profit protection plan so many business owners have gone through life not built for profit and 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 just staying just above the needle just above just to keep it going And if you are looking to exit your business, you want to make sure that this thing is fully optimized. So your strategy, your process, your programming, all of that should be aimed at profit. So if you're not making profit, you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how you need to do that because you're never going to get what you're worth if you don't make money. Right. And so for anyone that's starting a business, focus on that for anybody that's in business focus on that for anybody that's looking at buying one focus on the ones that are profitable right you're going to get some great values for those that are buying and the ones that aren't making any money but there's also some skeletons in the closet there and I think a lot of them that are buying know that <laughs> uh, and so you know it's interesting like MA will only look at a certain amount of EBITDA now like there's certain companies they don't even look under a certain amount of EBITDA because they know that there's problems down below And so to get yourself ready, again, you have to be making money. So I built mine that way. I built all the things that I do that way. And I think that for my best piece of advice is profit protection program.
0: Well, that's great. I think it's wonderful advice. And uh, listen, maybe you could share for audience uh, your new book and uh, where they can get.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just launched a new book. Let's Uh, have a look. And I will share this one with you because this one's near and dear to my heart. Uh, We just launched the MSP Owners Handbook, QBR edition. So for those that are interested in in picking this up, it's uh, all about strategy, process, and procedure uh, on how to enact change in the QBR process. So for those of you are looking, uh, pick it up on Amazon. You guys can go and find it there. And the best part about this book is 50% of the money from the book goes back into a fund that is uh, eligible for msps or people trying to get into tech we're going to be issuing certifications and education and give back for those that apply openly so if you know we're going to have it it's a you know a contest you write a little story tell us how you think it'll change you and then we'll be issuing that back so it's a give back book and anybody that's participating in it um, we have a lot of great people that have come together on you know sponsoring that and allowing us to talk about it and it's really great and it's really fun and i'm excited to be able to give back because i was once one of those young young people in tech trying to figure out how to get into this space and i remember going to buy a first certification and then failing at it and uh <laughs> having to figure out how to pay for it again and i'm like holy crap like i have to go tell my wife uh girlfriend, <laughs> i didn't make it and i got to come up with another 150 bucks like that'll chew you up pretty quick yeah (laughs) especially when you make 150 bucks a week right so it was like okay well uh we're eating air (laughs) it's a real big give back for me and uh i'm really happy to do it marnie stockman and i came together on this book and uh this is just one of six so this is the first of six that's coming out as a series and and then i really look forward to helping um Help people out on this, so thanks for asking about that, Wes.
0: Yeah, well, it's really important, and I and I love this idea of giving back, right? That you found a way to actually uh, use your knowledge and your expertise to to give back, and and that's something that's near and dear to my heart. So, really appreciate all you're doing there, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do the interview today. And in respect for your time and for that of our audience, um, I just want to thank you for doing this today, and for everyone out there in Tiger Paw Land that's either watching us on Tiger Tube or on Tiger Pod Radio. Thanks again for your time. We know it's valuable and we know that you've got some great learning content out of this today. And until next time, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.